Hey, good evening. My name is Phil DeCruz. Cruising with Phil. Today's guest, special lady I met just briefly before the elections, Sheena Sharp, former candidate, Ward 15, right? Yes. Hey, Sheena, how you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. So, tell everybody who you are and what you're all about. Uh, who I am? Well, um, Sheena Sharp, I uh, make my living as an architect. Um, we have, we just celebrated uh, 15 years in business wow. um, this January, and we focus on uh, low energy buildings, so environmental buildings. Oh, nice. And, um, and so, and it's been, it's pretty interesting. Um, and, you know, business is slowly growing as people become more interested in this sort of work. But I, you know, there's always a part of me as I'm sitting, working away, doing individual buildings that um, kind of says, this is not going to change the world, right? <laughs> um, and there's a lot of things that we know and we find out that um, it would be nice if, you know, it was, it was more, we could have a broader discussion about buildings and their contribution to the um, problem, burning fossil fuels, and how we can fix it. So, you know, in, in order to prevent myself from going crazy, I do things like volunteer for um, environmental groups. And then I decided, well, I'm so frustrated with um, politics, particularly um, the Liberals and the NDP. I mean, the Conservatives are pretty honest, like, burn, baby, burn. That's what they're about, right? They practically say it. They wear it on a big sign. So you know what you're getting when you vote for them. I don't know, 60s turn a lot. That's an old 60s turn, right? A lot, a lot of time. Exactly. Oh, 70s turn, burn, baby, burn. Sorry, go burn, on. Burn, baby, burn. So, so but the, the um, Liberals and the NDP, uh, they sort of say they're doing something, but they aren't. So I thought, okay, here we go. I'm so upset because I've always um, belonged to a political party or worked, you know, and so I thought, okay, I'm going to join the Green Party. And I did. And um, we had to make a writing association because we didn't have one in our writing. And um, a bunch of really great people showed up. And we had a really good time in the provincial election. And we started um, like a year beforehand, started trying to make money. And we did have a fair amount of money going into it. Um, I think we raised total $40,000 for oh, the whole campaign. And, uh, but we were knocking on doors in January. Like we started now a year ago and uh, it was a lot colder last year. And there we were knocking away on doors. And so it was really, um, a lot of work, working on weekends because I have a day job. And um, so by the time the election came, we were just exhausted, right? But, but we did okay. You know, we got the 5%, which means you get something. Some amount of your, your expenses, you get them back if you do that. Okay. That's kind of exciting. And, and the per vote, you know, we got more per vote than we ever have, so that's good. And then we kind of, um, <clears throat> the municipal election was already underway, right? June 2nd, the provincial election, the municipal election was in October. Most people had already started. And we just sort of died for a month. And then, then we said, well, you know what? We should do this. 
we should try to build a green brand in Ward 15. And so we should do it again. And so we, we started late. Um, we, I think we raised $5,000 for the municipal campaign. Um, uh, Chair, when did, you, uh, when, when did you register downtown for the uh, election? We registered, uh, it was like a Friday in August was the okay. deadline and we registered on the Monday. Okay, sorry, go ahead. So yeah, so we got that done and then, um, and then we, we only made $5,000, but we spent it, we were better, we were smarter the second time through. So we knew what to spend it on and we got more votes and um, came a very, very distant second. <laughs> <laughs> But there you go. That's good. That's great. You're my uh, first Green Party guest, actually, from the party. Oh, really? Yeah, well, I never, never had others, but not, not a Green Party, you know? Well, you know, we go, we, it, it's, it's really great because we are now considered a real party because we have a member in the legislature. So we get invited to the debates. And so I was able to talk about, um, you know, Big parts of the world are burning. Pakistan is flooding. California is burning. That's where a lot of our fresh food comes from, right? Uh, the rest of it comes from Florida, which is flooding. So, you know, at some point, and then we're busy trying to pave over the Greenbelt, which is some of the best farmland in Canada. And at some point when, um, like the Americans are gonna feed themselves before they feed us, of right? Yeah. Of course. So, as you so, like the vaccine, the vaccine, first yeah. vaccine came up, got Americans first, Canada last, you know. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we know we know it's going to happen. So we should we should be looking out for what we're going to do. And the the thing that frustrates me so much is that. So I I um, participate in a volunteer project called Toronto Twenty Thirty which is a little um, analysis of an area downtown to try to figure out what the most cost-effective way of hitting the UN targets, okay? And so we looked at everything and it's not energy efficiency, um, it's not solar panels, it's not district heating, it's electrifying, get off gas, stop burning gas in the basements of our buildings, right? And so, um, and so that was the, that's what I did when I went door to door. And it, it was funny, like I, one guy I knocked on and he said, okay, you can have five minutes, but I'm a liberal, so this better be good. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I talked to him and I said, look at, you know, residential um, furnaces only last on average 16 years. You know, we got to get 50% in eight years. So 50% of all of the furnaces and boilers in the buildings around us are going to die in the next eight years. And when you have your checkbook out, because you have to have your checkbook out because you're freezing, buy a heat pump instead of a gas furnace, right? Yep. And if everyone does that, we'll hit the UN targets. And it's not that expensive. So at the end of that, he was saying, well, where can I get a heat pump? Do you sell heat pumps? Oh my God. <laughs> Should have said, you got to join the Green Party, get one. <laughs> okay, I have one, but. Yeah, Green Party initiation membership, you get a pump. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to, 
what we're going to do, because we've decided that we're just going to do the things we think need to be done, even though we didn't win. And so we're actually meeting Monday night to strategize and, and do a few programs. We have a bunch of possibilities on our list, but including the other thing that I'm really, really passionate about is housing. And that's because I've been designing that's housing. That's how we met the first time. That's why I got so. Yeah, we met the park. Yeah, yeah. We were at Thornton we Park. We're outside the library. At yeah, it was uh, Darren. Uh, Darren Atkins' get together. Yeah, and we, were walk, we were walking out the door. I was with him. He was first time I met you just the day before election. We, mm -hmm. And you talked about housing. You gave us all information. Like, oh my gosh, what are you, what are you doing out here? You should go in City Hall. Did you, did, you work for, <laughs> did you work for the city before? Nope, never. How, I'm how pro, you, get all, you get all inside, inside information, all that stuff you talk about. We're talking about the housing project and, uh, you know, the uh, plans they want to do with 2030. The inside information is more that, that um, you know, I'm part of the development industry and, and have been, um, which has a, which weirdly, like people say big, bad developers. And you know what? That covers the sins of everybody else because everything is blamed on the developers and we don't look at the contribution of the city or the real estate or anything like that right and so and what frustrates me is that the city is becoming more and more bureaucratic it takes longer and longer to get something done when i was up for like 12 years i was on the um, ontario association of architects council and so we started a project on housing affordability and specifically on the cost. One of the aspects of that was a study we did on the cost of approvals. And it came out to be something like $40,000 a condo. So if you buy a condo, and that was only site plan approval, the cost of site plan approval, there's other approvals too, like zoning. Building permits are getting pretty good, actually, in terms of time. But because it takes... It can take two years and the city will say, oh no, it only takes six months. They have it in their hands for six months and then they give you a list of things to do that's this long that will take you a year. They say, well, it took you a year to get back to it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you keep adding crap to this list, okay? Why did, okay, why did they do that? <laughs> you know what, it's somewhat, I, so I was at a uh, planning committee meeting making a deputation on energy. And Gord Perks. So Gord was there. And he had a constituent at his elbow. And he passed a motion to um, uh, make it part of the planning approval that you have to have a construction waste plan submitted as part of the planning approval. Okay. So I was like, are you kidding me? And one of the things he said was, well, you know, the province already requires it, so it won't cost anything. Well, if the province already requires it, why are you doing it again? And yes, it will cost something because normally when you do a construction waste plan, it's the contractor. The guys who are building it will do that plan, right? And it's part of what they're actually doing. This happens like two years before those guys are even thinking about this project. So you just get a consultant to do a fake plan, you put it in, it's $5,000, you check the box. When I started my career um, and we did site plan approvals, we put in 24 sets of plans, 24 different people would look at those plans. It would circulate and they would just dump all the answers back at you. Now it's more like 48. 
And Gord just added one more thing. And so it just, the, the time just gets longer and longer and longer and is so frustrated because I want affordable housing. They say they want affordable housing, but what they do actually makes housing more and more expensive. So, you know, there's that, there's the, the fact that we have what I think of as let's make a deal zoning in Toronto. So they downzone everything and then someone comes in and they like horse trade for God knows what. And I think what they do though, is that if you give somebody 24 stories over here, somebody else comes along and says, well, they got 24 stories. Why can't I get 24 stories? And I am going to go to the land tribunal to get them because, you know, you won't give them to me. And so it's made the whole system a total mess. There are other ways of doing it. There are other processes that we could do it, but we just, we just don't do it, right? Because we're busy blaming the big bad developers or, or blaming whomever, the neighborhoods. Everyone has a part in this. And if we're going to get serious about it, let's fix the system. What do you let's think, what have do you think? real zoning. Okay, let's point blank. What do you think of Tory's plan for the uh, housing strategy after the election? This whole five million, <laughs> whatever, you know, what it was. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't have any, any uh, comment on it. I don't think that he's, um, no, I can't comment on it. I haven't been paying, I haven't been paying well enough attention, so I'm sorry. Well, what is, have you heard about Brad, Bradford's announcement about the, he took over uh, planning for housing, whatever, they put him there, that yeah. position. So he said, I don't know if you agree, he said a same the other day in the Bacon Show, and he said housing is infrastructure, and I totally disagree with that. I don't know what you think about that. Housing is infrastructure? What does that mean? Why does that make it different? I think housing is a right. And the different thing about housing is that um, because it's a, it's, a, it's a need, not a want. So at some level, it becomes a want. Like not everyone needs a home on the bridal path. Not everyone needs 24 bedrooms and you know 20 bathrooms and whatever else the heck is going on. I said housing is a commodity. Like you said, it's a need. It's a commodity. It's not a. It's not infrastructure. No, no, no. It's it's it's. We have to treat it differently. It's kind of like food. It's kind of like those drug guys in the states who are saying insulin. People need insulin, so it may it costs us two dollars to make it. We're going to sell it for two hundred because people need it. They will give up other things in order to buy it. Right? Housing is the same way. And so when people talk about supply and demand, they don't. They don't know what they're talking about because people, it's not like people can say, oh, this is too expensive. I will go somewhere else. If, if you restrict the number of houses, so I guess it is a little bit of supply and demand. You restrict the number of houses, you can sell it for whatever you want. People will stop doing the other things in the economy. They'll stop going out. They'll stop going to concerts. They'll stop doing whatever, right? Because you, act, you have to pay for housing. You have to pay for food. And so those are different kind of commodities. We do need to have rules around them. We do need to pay attention to the housing supply and our ability to build. And when you look at what we can build right now because of the political nature of the whole thing, we can build high rises. High rises are one of the most expensive housing forms, right? So if we could build like five and six story uh, wood, which can be wood frame, which is cheaper all along, like every main street, Davenport, Young, Mount Pleasant, 
all along those streets if the baseline was five and six stories, and then you could go higher with special permissions. Like we, then you start to give the big boys a run for their money, right? Because you can build these things more cheaply. Yeah. So you might be able to undercut them, but you have to, but right now it's kind of the opposite because if you, if you need to get, do you know the idea of as of right? Yeah. So if we made it as of right, all those expensive planning things I was talking about, they disappear. You show up with a building per, building permit set, they give you the permit, you build it as of right. And so we, if we had six stories on every main street as of right, that would mean that those guys didn't have this other expense that the big apartment buildings do. And, and they would be able to therefore compete better, right? So, you know, yes, land prices and everything, and it fluctuates and construction fluctuates and the, the sweet spots move around. But if we could make <clears throat> bigger swaths of the city as of right, then, um, then we could probably get cheaper housing. My question is, uh, well, you, I don't have to watch politics. Like I used to call the council. The last eight years, they've been, people have been deputation, deputation. They want zoning, low level. They've been denied, denied, denied. And now suddenly, bang, you're going to get it all approved. Why did it take eight years to get this all done? Like, what's the delay? Why say no? Pardon me? What did you say? Sorry, I didn't understand. Sorry, I said, you know, back in the last two, eight years, I've seen deputations, people asking for rezoning the areas to build low level buildings. Uh, yep. Houses, uh, like you said, condos are expensive and they're slow, right? But yep. every deputation was denied, denied, denied. But now suddenly it's been all being approved this year from this election. Like it's just suddenly, people are saying, what took you eight years could have been done back then, like you said, the right, and now they're doing it suddenly. Like it just, it just kind of, it baffles me. They go like, what took you so long? <laughs> what's exactly what took you so long why is it taking why is it and why are we doing it as a one-off like one of the things the city is doing is they're asking the province to overrule the city's own rules why don't you just change your rules like <laughs> you know said it <laughs> why is this happening <laughs> it's so funny Oh my God. But did they, uh, people, the question, did they get the, did they get approval from the levels of government to make all, all these promises come true and all those expenditures? Well, they haven't put that on paper yet. Cool. Uh, which expenditures, sorry? Well, they're talking about housing. They're talking about millions for housing, millions for, uh, they just made like the last 10 days. I, mean, I count like almost been over 585 million dollars in promises. They're going to get this done for the city, but they have not said that the, the government will back them up. He had this before the election about the, he said, as you see a statement, I'm hoping or I'm going to get the all level of government, kind of like a coercion statement, but basically they have to get, do they have the approval yet or what? Because I got contacts in Ottawa and they said they have nothing to approve. So I don't know what's going on. All these promises. What are you talking about? I'm sorry. Housing, like I'll give you an example, housing. They promise say, uh, what, $48 million in housing, okay? That's one of the promises. I'm just giving a, a silly number. Okay, according to them, what they're saying, they've got the back of the government. They want to get, they're going to get the funding for all this. But they haven't, nothing been approved. I've checked into it. Nothing has been approved. So when they have all these promises, like saying, hey, Sheena, I'm going to give you a $100 million house. I'm just waiting for the government to back me up. But I'm going to give it to you anyway, right? It's like a, I don't know if it's a false promise or what. So my, my, my question is, do they have the money? Do they have the backing? Do they have the uh, approval yet? You know? Because I haven't heard nothing about that. I don't know. 
I don't know the answer to that. Even the uh, the soccer thing going on, the FIFA, you know. I said back then when they made the announcement, I said, you watch to see, it's going to cost more than $300 million to get the board. And then what, a couple months later, they upped it to $425 million. And then they even said, we're hoping the government will back us up the rest. <laughs> Again, you know, I'm a soccer fan, but I don't, I know what happens with FIFA. I, know, I got friends around the world. When FIFA yeah. comes into a city, FIFA controls everything. The city yeah. gets a little profit. It's even the paper. You get a little profit. Yeah. FIFA controls the media. Who, see, who talks to who? Where the money goes, hours, days, where it's played, they're so and they and they and they and they they're kind of like a black man. I talked to Brazil, I've talked to other countries, people in the fields there, and they said, you know what? When they come to our, they said when they come to our city, they bleed us dry. And this is what I, this is what I fear. They're gonna to come to Toronto with this massive budget, over budget, yeah. and they're gonna play what three games, two or three games. I mean, I'm a soccer fan, I love soccer, but you know what? Feasibility, it's not realistic, not in this COVID recuperation. As you all say, we're in recovery, you know, I'm going to help you recover out of the city, you know. <laughs> One of the things that I often think about that we have to get more literate about is how, like money. So the Eglinton Crosstown cost, I've heard different estimates, but it's something like 12 to 15 billion, right? Yeah. Billion with a B. So that's from Mount Dennis to Kennedy, right? So, and, and in the, the federal government, um, a couple of years ago, they were saying, oh, we're going to put 120 billion on the table for infrastructure. And I'm thinking, well, that's not going to do much. You know, Toronto spends 10% of that building one line across the, the town, right? How are we, I think we have to get a little bit more creative about how we do some of these things. Uh, and I also think we need to get more, like, particularly with housing, we need to enable nonprofits. And I think we're almost doing the opposite, but I'm working on a, a project in Sudbury, a nonprofit, seniors housing, 56 units, and we got funding from CMHC. And what CMHC does is they enable, they allow, like if you have, if you have a project that's working and you're renting it out and the money comes in and the money goes out, that's great. That's pretty low risk, right? But building something, that's pretty high risk. And so the, the advantage of CMHC is they kind of like put guardrails on it. So you're in a loose shoot and you, you, you start and yes, there are risks, but it enables like the nonprofit I'm working with have no money. Like they do not own, we meet in church basements, right? They have nothing. And so and so what it enables to do them to do is get a mortgage zero down, really good rates, but they have to meet these criteria, which are all about, you know, community benefits and low energy and all of this kind of stuff, right? So that what that does is that once we've got that housing and it's owned by a nonprofit, you know, going forward that it's not going to be like, you know, the guys with the insulin. They're not going to say, oh, well, supply is really tight. I can charge, I can double the money and people will still pay for it, right? This is what's happening in my ward in, in Thorncliffe Park where I met you. Yeah. Like the, the um, large property owners who have been buying up, like we haven't even been watching it. The government hasn't been watching it. They went into Sudbury, big companies, bought out all of these crummy little old, old houses and 
and went in, repainted it, jacked up the rents, right? They, they had finished with Toronto. Now they're moving on to other places. And so you, you talk to people in Thorncliff Park, they're talking about how it's going up, how there's no repairs, because they don't have to, right? You don't like it. What are you going to do? There's nowhere else to move. And so those patterns of for profit, for a commodity that, commodity that is necessary to life, it makes much more sense to be nonprofits or co-ops because they're not, nonprofits get cheaper over time because once they've paid off the mortgage, then they just have to keep the operating expenses running, right? Maybe they're saving some money, so they're taking some of that money out so they can build a new one. <clears throat> but mostly, they're not, they're not taking that profit off. And we have to at least have, did you see that video that Band City put out? Yeah. <laughs> it talks about if you have a certain percentage of nonprofits within an area, yeah. then all of the prices come down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those are the two things we have to do. We have to change the zoning so that we can at least get that amount of that, um, uh, streamline that, reduce the cost of that, allow more variety of housing, allow fourplexes in the neighborhoods, which um, Doug Ford is saying he's doing, yay. This is not, if you go around this neighborhood, which everyone sees as, you know, single family, there's little apartment buildings all throughout here. There's little apartment buildings in Rosedale. You know, it has not ruined Rosedale. No, it's like over here. We got 50 low half, low rent, five story around here. Like there's 50 in my area, a low. Oh, yeah. back in the 60s, they're all occupied and they're well-maintained, right? And they're well-maintained because, and if it's a nonprofit, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to take the money out. They can afford to put the money in. And the people who run it are the people who live there or the people who are in the neighborhood, right? Some kind of the one up the one up north is a is a seniors nonprofit and it's all local seniors who are on the board of governors, right? So so they care about the neighborhood. They're meeting that it's them and their neighbors who are going to live in the building. So they, you know, that kind of thing we need to we need to enable it. It's almost like capital, we need to reform capitalism. Like I'm, I'm all for, you know, the, I'm a small business person, right? And all around me, I, my, my office is in the junction. All around us are lots of different small businesses. Many of them, it was really tough. A lot of them closed during COVID, right? But that kind of capitalism is kind of, um, you know, it, it's thriving. It makes life interesting. They offer a whole pile of different things, right? But the kind of capitalism that, where, um, have you ever read the book Choke Point Capitalism? It's really interesting. No, no. And what they're essentially saying is that it's like, it's like all of Silicon Valley who's talking about move fast and break things. So what they do is they start at a loss until they, and offering free stuff until they get enough people hooked. And then they start charging, but they charge both ways. They charge the users and they charge the suppliers effectively. So they're in the middle at the choke point and we're getting fewer and fewer companies who are in this position so they can essentially charge whatever they want. Yeah. And this is bad regulation. This is like, it's, and these things are complex. So a lot of people um, can't see it. I think we know it intuitively. We know that if you only have two grocery store chains or three grocery store chains, which is what we have. One chain will have like four different names, but it's the same chain. 
And when you start to get that, we know that we're going to start paying more money. Like they're just, one of the things Kari Doctorow said, the guy who wrote this book, he said, they're just after your money. They're not out to kill you. But if they happen to kill you while they're taking your money, that's fine. Okay, yeah. It's funny. I got uh, 10 min nine minutes left on this episode. So what we'll do is we'll uh, simply cut here. I'll just sign on the next one right away. We can continue talking, you know, if you have time. Okay. Yeah, so just keep talking. I got nine minutes. I got a question. Um, do you think they're going to meet the demands of the housing? They got a they got a target rate by 44,000 units, or I think homes or whatever. They want to get that by twenty thirty. Yeah. You think it's doable? I don't think it's doable. I don't think it's doable. I don't think it's doable in the way that they're doing it. Exactly. I think we could probably do it if we really got serious about loosening up zoning. If we got serious, like. Because saying, okay, we're going to make fourplexes legal is one thing. But then changing the zoning so that you have a bigger envelope to build it in, that's a different thing. Does it raise the tax? Does it raise the property tax as well? Like the real, like this, this area is all low zoning. They got 1.5 million houses going up in this area right now. And right now, the, tax, the property tax is $3,000 the most. Right. But so you change the zoning, aren't you going to raise the taxes as well automatically or just has it work? Um, the, no, because the taxes are based on uh, what it's worth, Okay. which is in some cases based on the highest and best use. So that's why the stores, for example, the taxes kept going up and up because the property itself was worth a lot, even though you have some small store that's been there for 50 years, that's yeah. like restaurant or butcher or something. With houses, it's really, a lot of it is location, 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 right? So as house prices go up, the taxes go up, but the, the buildings are actually worth way less than the land. Yeah. And so if you put four units on a large lot, will the taxes go up? Yes. Will it go up four times? No. So <clears throat> you'll get, and you'll get, um, there is some economy of scale there. And the other thing that we have to consider, there's another really great book um, called Perversity, Perverse City. I've heard that one, yeah. <laughs> and she essentially said, it is way cheaper to build inside the city than on the edge of the city. But there's only one city in Ontario that charges different development fees. So it's cheaper the, the houses in the middle of the city will cost the city less money. Why shouldn't they be charging the people who are developing that less money? Yeah. But instead they charge the same amount at the center of the city and at the outside edge of the city. So of course people build on the outside edge of the city because it's gonna be cheaper to build, right? It's cheaper for them to build. It's not cheaper for the city and it's not cheaper for the people who live there because generally speaking, there's not as much transit, you know, on the outskirts of the city, outside the city center, as you get further away. There's not as much transit. There's not as much services. There's not as much um, infrastructure like um, stores or, or those sorts of services. So you're, you're building in the wrong place. And then you push people out to those areas when in other areas, you've got capacity, extra capacity in schools, right? As people get older, there's less kids, you've got extra capacity. 
you'd think when we talk about planning that these are the things that we're actually looking at. We're looking at where we have the capacity, how we can, how we can incentivize people to build in the places where we have capacity. Instead, we're not doing that. We're incentivizing people to build in the places where no one will complain. That's what we do. And it's not working. No. Yeah, what do you think? I saw a picture this morning about uh, Tori's plan about they're building these modular houses. They're stacking them yes. up. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was hilarious. They've been trying to do that for a long time. It's not a bad idea. It's not new. Yeah, like no, no, no. and Expo 67, you know, Habitat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking about. You know, we've been doing this for a long time. But was it gonna, but I don't know what the, uh, I mean, I haven't really looked further into that whole stacking thing, but there must be something not right about it. I don't know. It doesn't look right. It just doesn't seem like realistic in a way, you know, like, do they have, how are they built? Do they have like hallways in between or whatever, or, or how do they do it? Yeah. They, they come they come in sort of like a building blocks that and some of them come there's different ways to design it but some of them come with like bathrooms and kitchens inside them and then there's a space for the hallway so when they put them together okay you end up with a hallway you end up with stairs at either end depending on how it's designed. I have a, I have a friend he's an architect in uh, San Francisco I sent him a picture this morning you know what he said he said are you guys for real you guys he said are you for real you want to build it in San Francisco Let's see what happens <laughs> the uh, earthquake city there, you know. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize it, but Toronto is also in an earthquake zone. Well, we had, we had, yeah, we had, uh, what, maybe 15 years ago? I remember, I, remember, I felt it just briefly, yeah. the whole place struck, you know. Yeah. I got a few minutes, I'll sign off here, and we'll sign off right away, sign on right away, we'll continue on with the conversation. I want to ask you about the word affordable housing, see what you think. Well, I'm going to sign off here, and just sign on right away, okay? What are we doing? Oh yeah, I'm just gonna sign up here. The next session starts in half an hour, but we can I can start it right away. You go on. I sent you two invites. Okay. Okay. Just sign up. Just sign it right away, and we'll continue on right away. Okay. So I'm just gonna okay. end here. And I'll talk to you in about two seconds here. Uh, okay.